on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. Elementary, my dear Watson. What's in the box? Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. But why male models? Why so serious? I am serious. Now don't call me sure. Well, nobody's perfect. Go ahead. Make my day. Places. The timekeepers have built quite the circus. And I see the clowns are playing their parts to perfection. Big metaphor guy. I love it. Makes you sound super smart. I am smart. I know. Okay. Okay. Please sign to verify this is everything you've ever said. This is absurd. Sign this too. Welcome everybody to Popped Culture. I am Scott. I'm Jason. And I am burdened with glorious purpose. <laughs> Loki. Yes. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. I had no i i had no real expectations going into this because i think wandavision was amazing falcon and winter soldier did kind of nothing for me and this i was like well i really like the character so that could be the strength of it and but i i really liked it (laughs) like i really really liked it there's a lot to like about it i thought it was a lot of fun um a part of me feels it would have been better placed as a film rather than a miniseries just to sort of streamline and cut a little bit of the unnecessary stuff. But overall, it was good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it mainly because it just was so bizarre. I mean, I, I always like things that go <laughs> a little you, bit out you of like there. A bit, and, of, uh, a bit of the oddities. Yes, mm. and uh, this certainly went that way uh, much more than any other thing I've seen. I mean, WandaVision had its quirks to it, but it sort of, it almost had a I way of anticipating it, it, but this one, I just didn't yeah, it, this this very much went into absurdity, like, yeah. and which, embraced yeah. it, which makes complete sense for the kind of character. Um, when you look at Loki, he's just absurd. So why not give him an absurd yeah, story? mischievous? And... But yeah, I thought they, they finally treated him in a very um, not. I think that they've done him a disservice so far. He's certainly the best villain that the MCU has to offer, besides maybe Iron Man in Civil War. But he, they've handled it in a fairly mature way. His, they have his, for the most part, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was uh, in, definitely interesting in that he was a villain who went through an arc to almost become the hero, which is really how it ends up in some respects, I think. Or almost. It's leaning that way, almost, yeah. It's sort of leaning in that direction. And, I, think, uh, I think they were in the films too. By the time we get to Thor Ragnarok, I think he's very much... He's one of the, I think maybe besides like Iron Man actually has like a arc throughout these films to get mm. kind of to a place where he's willing to sacrifice himself for Thor. But this isn't that Loki, but this is a Loki who then who finds scared, out yeah. about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that comes to the core of the character. He is um, portrayed always as, I guess, um, a tragic 
character who is used to always failing and propping up others for greatness. And you sort of see that echoed in this series as well by the end of it. And he's trying to become the hero of his own story um, to varying degrees of success. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, leaning heavily on the narcissistic tendencies to the point of... Uh... One of the best love stories we've had in a Marvel. <laughs> oh, I... Yeah, I actually don't buy the romantic aspect of the series. That's actually, for me, the biggest deterrent. Um, it just, I, well, yeah. I, I just think it was like, it was like, it was, it was one-sided. It was Loki feeling it and uh, the twist Sylvie, this other ver female version of Loki, I don't think felt it at all really, or maybe a little bit, but. Yeah, I think she was playing him for the most part. But while I understand that someone as narcissistic as Loki would only ever want to be with someone exactly like himself, but at the same time, I don't think he loves himself enough to completely give himself to another person, let alone himself. So <laughs> for me, it just, it, just didn't make, it just didn't make a lot of sense. Like it could have been a really cool story about this connection made with another person. I just feel it didn't need to be a romantic one. If you wanted to twist the romantic aspect, you know, just have Loki run away on a jet ski with Mobius at the end. That's what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you brought up Mobius then. Yeah. yeah. Let's yes. talk about Owen Wilson because he's fantastic in this series. He, yeah. Like, I think from the trailers, I was like, this is going to be fun and quirky and... Owen Wilson doing his thing, but he he really brought quite a bit of depth to this, I, I guess, which could have been a thankless role mm. and made it just stand out for all the right reasons. In a lot of ways, I feel that he's sort of becoming the new mentor figure for Loki on his emotional journey. He's propping him up. He becomes his friend. And um, in episode four, when we see um, Mobius get pruned, you look how, at how devastated Loki is. He's just like, no, no, my friend, please. Any, anyone, but, anyone but Mobius. <laughs> so I feel that he's so good. He's such a grounded character. He brings a little bit of, I guess, um, uh, maturity to the story in a lot of ways. He's also a bit consistent in the character hmm. in that he was there to investigate things and he is investigating and discovering whatever comes about and goes that way. Yeah, so he's like a true detective. Neutral approach, yeah. He's a great is, detective, yeah. Which is right. really nice to see. And, you know, um, his, his demeanour, you know, the classic Wilson demeanour is really sort of suitable to it because mm. it does need to be a bit more neutral and reflective more than active, which is how it really mm. works well with how his acting style is. Yeah, and, and I feel that the quirkiness also um, suits um, really well along with, I guess, how you look at the TVA, which has got this really strange, almost 1950s look into what the future would be like vibe. But with like a super Orwellian bent. Yeah, very Orwellian. And, and it just, I don't know, um, Owen Wilson just really fits in that kind of, I guess, look and feel for the story. Oh, they've stashed him up perfectly for it. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I had a few little reminiscence of uh, Brazil and, as you said, 1984, and um, also Fallout. You know, if you look at oh, the, yeah, style that of Fallout, retro, the, the graphics, yeah, that sort of 
graphics that you see around the place and the posters and things like that. And it, um, yeah, I've actually quite enjoyed oh, that. Even the, the like beige color palette of everything was really mm. nice. Yeah, it's it's a really nice. Um, and they still use telefaxes and stuff. <laughs> it's a beautiful set to look at. Um, it's really stylish, actually, and it looks fantastic. But it all they they blended it really well. Even their technology, like the doorways, they look yes. like these kind of you know sort of faint orange but literal doorways. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then the um, Miss Minutes. I love Miss mm. Minutes. <laughs> Some Tara Strong. The voice of uh, Harley Quinn, famously from the Batman cartoon, was the mm. voice of Miss Minutes. Mm. Um, I think Mobius, like some of the TVA characters were kind of a little bit forgettable and a bit, yeah, eh, whatever. Uh, big standout. And we are going to spoil this show before we get to, uh, I think, the big thing we really want to talk about, which is uh, the low keys. Mm. Let's talk about Jonathan Majors for a second in his turn as uh, he who remains at the oh. end there of the show. Wow. Way to monologue that. <laughs> like it was his role was a lot of um expositing, but I did not care because he just delivered it. He so was well. just riveting to watch. Yeah, I could not take my eyes off Jonathan Majors. What a great pick. And this is where my lack of understanding really sort of made me have to research a bit. Mm. Uh, for me, uh, not knowing the comics that well and having to look up who people were, I discovered that it's Kang the Conqueror? Yes. Is that the right name? Yep. Um, which I went, oh, okay, so there's a bit more to it than that. And I'm there wondering who the hell is this guy, like what he's talking about. And I sort of love the mix of uh, multiverses and time together. It really does create uh, an opportunity for Marvel to just go wherever they like. It's, it's almost like remakes can happen now without any issue whatsoever because they've got that construction yeah. there of a multiverse and time travel throughout it well i i think yeah. that i think that's going to play a pretty big part in everything going forward because i mean the doctor strange is doctor strange mm. in the multiverse of madness which is the next uh yeah i think big big sort of not origin story marvel film coming up yeah you also have um ant-man and the wasp quantum mania which my understanding is kang is going to be the primary antagonist which to me makes me feel like oh, scott lang's out of his depth for that kind of villain <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's very much an avengers sort of uh problem yeah that's true but um i guess with yeah he who remains it was just a really excellent way to sort of do the villain reveal for the next phase which also suits loki because in the previous phases as well we're introduced through loki directly or indirectly to thanos and now we're introduced to the next big bad also through loki so it just sort of places the loki character as the center point for well at least as a as like a, light, a lightning rod for these kind of antagonistic beings to reach out to everyone else yeah exactly it's his fault <laughs> <laughs> it's always his fault um i think they did some really fun things with the loki character and that that ending where it's sort of he had the option to kind of have that what he always wanted kind of thing and he kind of rejects it was sort of i guess nice development 
even though it's not the Loki that we've seen have all this character development. It makes a lot of sense, actually. And I I was reading a review for the series as well, and someone described it really well. Um, there's a quote from The Dark Knight where the Joker says, um, there's a, a, a dog chasing a car. It wouldn't know what to do if it caught it. And I think that actually encapsulates Loki to a T because he wants the thing, but he never thinks about what's going to happen afterwards. But this iteration is starting to think about the consequences of his wants versus the needs, mm. which is important. Yeah, it, 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 it just it played with it in a really nice way. I thought it made him... I mean, I think he's always been likable. He's been a, a very yeah. likable villain. The way you can kind of like the Joker, but you never quite understand <laughs> what the Joker's about. Loki, you kind of get it. He's like the bastard orphan who kind of, you know... Has a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, and, you know, was taken away from his family and, and raised in the shadow of his beefy brother... And mm. and you kind of get what he what he wants, and but it it made him likable in a way he hadn't been likable before. It makes you connect with him in a different way than from he sort of gets a superhero arc just told in reverse, really. And another thing that I really liked about um, Loki in this particular Loki is that we get to see him be a really good sorcerer. You know, he uses magic interchangeably with his fighting style, which then sort of makes me think about all the other Marvel movies and why didn't they integrate that? Because it just shows his acumen and his skill in that and it pisses me off because it reminds me of how he died in such a stupid way in Infinity War <laughs> with a little butter knife. Choked out. Choked out like a punk. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're saying that, Loki, and you bring us to probably my favourite moment in it. Is where we get multiple Lokis. Yes. Many, many Lokis. <laughs> yes, did you have a favourite um, variant Loki? Oh, it has to be Richard E. Grant. That was just... <laughs> yeah. That was spectacular. I, I, I saw a poster for it um, like a few weeks ago and I was like, oh, that's got to be fake because that's like too good <laughs> to be real. It's the perfect casting choice, really. You have Richard E. Grant as a weary Loki... He's been alone for a long time and he misses his brother and it's so sweet. <laughs> well, that's what gets him into trouble, isn't it? He misses his brother and decides to find out how he's going and they nab him. As if suddenly <laughs> having a conscience and wanting to reconnect with his family is somehow a bad thing, you know, mm. because that leads to Loki somehow succeeding in a way. And the, the I just got to say, as like a long-time comic book fanatic, the outfit... Just... Oh, <laughs> absolutely and apparently um richard e grant's like a massive fan of loki that doesn't surprise me and was like very excited that he was playing sort of um i can't remember the artist it's either um kirby i think it's kirby's loki mm. the artist yeah. jack kirby and he was very excited to be playing like his loki the loki that he read as a kid it's sort of like when you see different iterations of um the doctor in Doctor Who, you know, everyone's got a favourite one and even actors who play Doctors have their own Doctor. So it's nice to sort of see Richard E. Grant have that fulfilling moment where he's like, I get to play the one that I want. Yeah, and then, but then he was like, where's my muscle suit because I'm going to look like a string bean, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and he was really upset that he didn't get a muscle suit. Yeah, I thought um, with meeting all the different variants of Loki and I'm also personally a fan of Alligator Loki, it was just the ridiculous and <laughs> I want one. But um, I felt perhaps maybe just having classic Loki in um, 
the journey into mystery episode would have been more than enough where he meets just his future self, not necessarily all these other variants. I felt, you know, just focus on that a little bit more and use Richard E. Grant. You know, you have a very talented actor there who you can really get, you know, him to chew on something really good. I think he made the most of it, though. Oh, he did. I'm not saying he didn't, but I would have loved to have seen him given a little bit more with the time allotted. Yeah, it was a shame it was like one episode, you know, wrapped up all that stuff. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, I don't mind having the other Lokis, though, because it does sort of illustrate mm. this idea of variance uh, also quite like explicitly. The, at the end of time, <laughs> the only one left is Loki. Yeah, that's exactly right. You get a room full of how Lokis. Many, how many Iron Men were pruned throughout the course of time? You can finally make the joke, how many Lokis does it take to screw in a light bulb? So. <laughs> I quite like that. Was it President Loki? The uh, like, yes. savage political manipulator. And then Immediately. Was like, it was Loki with his hand yeah. <laughs> It was Loki with like bike handlebar, like Mad yes. Max, Mad Max Loki. <laughs> that is pretty good. Yeah, that's true. I thought maybe the, the variant stuff was actually really well demonstrated in the reveal of what the TVA really is. Um, it's all made up of a group of variants, um, which makes complete sense. Mm, people who've um, had their, their even their their possibility of existence snatched away from them. Yeah, and turned into, you know, a bunch of mindless bureaucratic drones. But yeah, know? to the point where they don't know or remember their own life. I yeah. assume it's like locked away or something. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit unclear about what happens with that. But um, it just makes you want to think about, you know, the Nexus events. And speaking of Nexus events, we never really understand what Sylvie's is. No, you didn't understand how those two together were going to cause a really big problem either um other than getting to the end point yeah mm. yeah that's true i think maybe their nexus event together would have been them succeeding in a way or you know following through on the romantic um swing of their relationship but sylvie's own um, nexus event we just see her apprehended from asgard as a child and then she runs away it's a little bit unclear and I think yeah it's, it's just a bit- a, as a as a it's almost like just for being a, a girl. That's what I thought it was sort of going. Part of me like, thought of that first, but it must be something else. And it was a bit um, of a disservice to Sophia Martino, who did such a good job portraying Sylvie. Um, I thought she was really um, an excellent complementary character to Tom Hiddleston's Loki, but she's still she's just given too much of the anger aspect and not enough to play with to understand and connect with her in a more meaningful way. Yeah, she's very um, unlike Loki, who is a little bit more mm. aloof and uh, you're not entirely sure what, what what's going on in his head at any moment. She was very like focused and very... she's very very focused on the mission. She's hot headed. She's impulsive. She actually, to me, is more of a Thor than a Loki kind mm, of. Yeah, um, absolutely. Just, especially in the first Thor film, I just got that personality trait a little bit more. She's arrogant, um, probably a little bit more methodical than. Thor is, but I just got that sense. That sense there. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I mean, we're getting a season two, which is nice. So, I've, I hopefully these things will be explored a little more. Hopefully, yes. I I do wear, uh, worry a little bit as Marvel does sometimes have a tendency to sort of 
fly over. Bite off more than they could chew. Bite off more than they could chew and not come back around full circle to explain something like that and tie it off neatly. I'm really hoping I'm wrong and they do resolve the character of Sylvie because I think there is a lot of potential for her and I think she's fantastic. And I think with the announcement of season two, I was like a little bit of me was worried that all this cool stuff that happened as like the timelines and all this stuff, like Jason said, like the ability to remake and do whatever you want, whether mm. that is just going to be a Loki problem, like that's just season two's plot line and that's not going to affect films or like the, the the vast potential that that, that has. Yeah, I mean, there's so much that you could do with that. I guess it depends on where they want to go with it because a lot of the previous Marvel actors have contractually fulfilled everything they need to. So you're unlikely to get Chris Evans or Robert Downey Jr. back, for example. Which is, but that's okay because now we have the option to be like, well, I mean, we have we have the new Captain America anyway from Falcon and Winter Soldier, so it doesn't true. really matter. Yeah, that's true, I suppose. That's, yeah. But, like, you could get, like, you know, Earth 2 Iron Man sort of thing or mm. Ultimate Ultimate Universe Iron Man where he's got the brain tumour, which is a really cool character, and just change the actor. Like, it, it, now that's possible, but whether that is actually going to be taken advantage of in a way that it really could be. Yeah, I feel um, the upcoming Marvel What If animated series will be an interesting way to explore that because you have the different scenarios that could, you know, take place in the multiverse. You have Captain Britain with Peggy Carter instead of um, Steve Rogers. You Captain, have... Captain Britain's a man in the comic book, so I just want to do <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I actually found the end... A, a little cheap in some respects. It, yeah, I did. Sort of, I think when you finish a season, there should be a bit more resolution than cliffhanger. You can still have unanswered questions, which leads you on, but I just found that this one was too many. My understanding is that um, it was the series was originally slated for 12 episodes, but because of COVID, they've had to sort of split up the filming and separate it out into two seasons. So that could be one of the reasons why it may have felt a bit more I would assume cost would have been a factor. Cost as well, but, you know, I don't think um, those Marvel series are ever not going to make money. Just on those sweet, sweet subscription dollars? Yeah, exactly. And you've got characters that are very well established in the MCU and that are very well liked. You know, they picked the right characters to focus on in those miniseries. Everyone loves Loki. Everyone wants to love Wanda a lot more because she's a very interesting character. Falcon and Winter Soldier, I think they're likable characters too. Yeah, I think the uh, if if you're right, it, it's actually fair enough because it mm. does feel like it's halfway through. It does, yeah. Like your, your villain is introduced. Yeah, in the, right, last right episode, in the last episode. And... That's, I think that's where I sort of felt a bit empty for me at the end. So if if that was the case, it's probably forgivable in that sense if we're going to have a very neat continuation that's actually been forethought. But if it's not, mm. it's going to, yeah, I'm not sure how it will if, if they've not thought this out, which, mm. but like, I mean, like Black Widow, we all, all we complained about was the fact that it felt like an afterthought. Yeah. Yes. How much thought have they put into what's coming next? Yeah, because the I, mishmash of characters that we're getting all feel like very much a, a, a clutch at like, uh, what one's going to sell some toys? I guess we could do Eternals because there's like eight action figures in that box set. Mm. Uh, you know what I mean? Like they've gone for very odd choices to continue <laughs> forward with. Merchandise potential is it? Oh, of course it is. <laughs> Absolutely. I of think- 
It's Disney. Yeah, it's Disney. Why do we have three Cars movies? I didn't ask for them. <laughs> you really hate Cars, don't you? I really like Cars two. Cars one. <laughs> cars two. Oh, <laughs> uh, look, Cars three's not bad. It's just, it's just my example of like. Based on the first film, it's like we it really took like a decade to make Incredibles too, but you churned out three cars movies. Yeah, that's true. I guess as well, that sort of leads me to thinking um what I said earlier in the beginning was that I feel the Loki series would have been better served as a film, just to streamline everything. Could you imagine just introducing phase four, the multiverse with a Loki movie, and then you just proceed with Doctor Strange? I just feel maybe on a larger scale it would have been a little bit better. And mm. Because I think you're also stuck in this, like, is everyone... I mean, obviously, the Marvel movies, they're these big sort of massive movies. There's three a year or whatever. Everyone goes and sees them because they're all connected, blah, 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 blah. Not everyone, I think, gives a shit about the TV show spin-off sort of stuff. Exactly. But this is such a big player into the next phase. I just felt Hmm. maybe a film would have been good. But did you... Have you watched all of... Has everyone... Have we all watched Falcon and Winter Soldier? I don't think, Jason, you didn't seem particularly interested at all. I got sick of it. I got sick of it. I've watched the first or second episode or something. Okay, well, not to... Yeah. Not to ruin the show. I'm not going to try and ruin it. But like at the end of Avengers Endgame, Steve gives Falcon the shield and he's like, you can be Captain America now. And he's like, cool. In the first episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier, he's like, I don't want the shield no more. Gives it back. And then by the end of it, we end up exactly where we were. If you didn't watch the show and you just watched Endgame, you'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah, of course. He's, he's Captain America now. Mm. It's right. like, it's just total... You don't need it. It was just, I don't know why it exists. <laughs> well, you this just said really... that earlier. Well, well, yeah, that's exactly, <laughs> and you're right. That's exactly right. Because now we can sell a cool Falcon toy that looks like Captain America. Mm. But like it, it, it literally, that show ends where Endgame left it. So it's like this little story that they've just made where if you didn't watch it and you just went from Endgame to whatever Captain America 4 is going to be, you'd, you, it wouldn't matter. Mm. Loki feels a little more impactful on the overall story. And so did WandaVision in that regard, where Wanda ended up is obviously going to be very important for Doctor Strange. Exactly right. And um, I haven't seen WandaVision just yet, but with Loki, it certainly has the production value to stand as a really well-made film too. And that also leads me into the music, which I thought was so good. I love the score that quirky little opening theme I really that opening liked. theme and the title sequence just gave me twilight zone vibes and i was just like i'm totally here for this it's fantastic it just puts it in the right mood it feels like the most pre-planned of all of these shows i mean one division felt very um i mean I, I still think it's the best of them mm. Uh, but it still felt kind of standalone in a way it just sort of we get a little bit more for wonder and stuff like that but I think with Loki, a lot of it has to do with um, Tom Hiddleston, who's always been a huge advocate for the character and has pushed very hard to tell the story in a meaningful way. So oh, he's I, also like absolute like fan favorite. He he is the fan favorite, and I think if not for him, I think we might not have gotten the series in the way that we have received it. So I do think a lot of credit should be going to him. I agree. <laughs> yeah. I guess with uh WandaVision, it is just about Wanda that bit, that that show, and it is front and center to that whole grieving part. 
which is a result of what's happened in the films. Um, it was a, it, was, it was still my favourite. It was like a yeah. really beautiful, smart story. Yeah, absolutely. And Loki sort of has, I don't know, I think it's because it didn't really resolve. It, it's got this sort of slightly awkward connection because it's one setting off that multiverse idea, but also where's Loki going to be going with in this whole story, if you want. It's an ongoing um, building of his character. Yeah, I guess WandaVision was a, a miniseries, like it ends. Yeah. So, I, again, I think it's that idea that it finished too soon for what story's been told. So yep. um, it's hard to sort of compare them in that respect. Yeah. But I did enjoy it. Yeah. I I my eyes did not glaze over at all, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike five minutes into Falcon and Winter Soldier where you yep. went catatonic. Yep. Oh, look, I don't think you, your eyes can glaze over with just how colourful and how bright and, you know, all the strobe lights and all the magic. And quirky. It's not like yeah. the action-packed Marvel no. fair either. Like the first few episodes are a little bit slower and really play off this sort of, like, character mobius bouncing off loki and loki bouncing off mobius which was really nice and then mm. it gets it has its moments where it does the big spectacle action obviously but it has to yeah yeah it's marvel but it does take its time to really set up and um the story yes it's a bit exposition like but sometimes it's necessary and i feel for this story it kind of was at least they did the exposition in kind of a, a colorful and like flavorsome way it, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't sterile exposition <laughs> Yeah, I loved watching this minute's presentation in the first episode. Like, what a treat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what I'm hoping for the next season is that they look at this idea of fate because mm. when you look at what it's brought up is that it, things are inevitable and that's why you're getting pruned from the timeline is because you're going to do something. That's yeah. going to cause a problem. And um, yeah. I, it's actually quite a good concept to play around with, which I don't think it quite got into totally. And uh, I would like it to sort of come up a bit more, hopefully, in the next season because that's yeah. really what they're dancing around. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you see it with the character. Um, you know, he is espousing that, you know, I am in charge of my own destiny. It's nothing's mm. predetermined. He's talking about it, but he's not actually putting it into action just yet. So I think it's going to be... Well, he ends up on the supposed already written train tracks anyway. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. And mm. how heartbreaking at the very end because he's back at the TVA and he's obviously in a different TVA than the a one... different that reality. In, a different yeah. reality where, you know, he, Moby, he he's not friends with Mobius anymore. You know, they think he's an analyst. He's lost his girlfriend thing you know his mirror <laughs> yeah he feels a little bit alone the poor guy he finally feels what it's like to be betrayed after betraying so many people <laughs> anyway loki season two so we're gonna find out mm. maybe yeah. maybe oh, i'm looking forward to it yeah me too not as much as i'm looking forward to book of boba fett <laughs> we can talk about Disney TV shows. <laughs> well, we'll leave that for another podcast. Oh, I can't wait. We're getting close. We're getting mm. close. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Popped Culture. I have been Scott. I'm still Jason. And I'm still Monica.
pop culture is produced by and reported by Jason Eddy and Monica Porter and Scott Sarda. The clip for this week's show was a trailer for Loki, and the song at the end was the main theme from Loki. If you're enjoying the show, please I invite you to jump on the Apple Podcast and leave us a review. It helps us expand our show and reach new listeners. If you'd like to find us on social media, we're available at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash popculturepod or on Twitter at popcultureau.